Chapter 2 It was 7.36 a.m. when the elevator doors opened. Bree rushed out onto the observation platform of the Washington Monument, some 554 feet above the National Mall. She carried a chattering U.S. Park Service police radio, tuned to a frequency being used by all FBI, U.S. Capitol Police, and D.C. Metro Police personnel rapidly responding to the situation. She had a pair of binoculars lent to her by the officers guarding the closed monument. Balking at her initial demand to be let in, they had given her a hard time while checking her story. Then the sirens had started wailing from all angles, and their commander came back with direct orders to open the monument and let her ride to the top. Bree had lost eight minutes in the process, but pushed that frustration to the back of her mind. They had 50 minutes to find the bomb. Bree went straight to the high-slit windows cut in the west wall of the monument and peered through the binoculars toward the Lincoln Memorial and the long, rectangular pool that reflected its image and that of the Washington Monument. When she'd started to run toward the towering limestone obelisk, she hoped to get high enough to catch sight of someone fleeing the mall or acting strangely. But too much time had passed. The bomber would have beat feet, gotten as far away as possible, wouldn't he? That was the logical thought, but Bree wondered if he might be the kind of sicko to stick around, admire his explosive handiwork. Even at this early hour, there were scores of people running, walking, and riding on the paths that crisscrossed the mall and paralleled the reflecting pool. Others were standing as if transfixed by the chorus of sirens coming closer and closer. Bree pivoted, strode across the observation deck to the east wall where she could look out toward the U.S. Capitol and triggered the radio mic. This is Metro COD Stone, she said, scanning the open park between the Smithsonian Museums. I can see hundreds of people still on the mall and who knows how many more that I can't see because of the trees. Move officers to 17th, 15th, Madison Drive Northwest, Jefferson Drive Southwest, Ohio Drive Southwest, and 7th Northwest, 4th Northwest, and 3rd Northwest. Work civilian evacuation from the middle of the mall to the north and south. Keep it quick and orderly. We don't want to cause panic. Roger that, Chief. The dispatcher came back. Bree waited until she heard the dispatcher call out her orders and then said, Block all traffic through the mall north and south and Constitution and Independence Avenues from 3rd to Ohio. That's already been ordered, Chief, the dispatcher said. Status of canine and bomb squads? FBI, Metro, and Park Police canines en route, but traffic snarling. Metro's ETA on 15th is two minutes. Bomb squads say five minutes out, but could be longer. Longer? She cursed inwardly, looking down at the flags fluttering and noted their direction and stiffness. She triggered the mic again. Tell all canine patrols that the wind here is south-southwest, maybe 10 miles an hour. They'll want to work from northeast angles. Roger that, the dispatcher said. Bree checked her watch. 7.41. They had 45 minutes to find and defuse the IED. Gazing out, her mind racing, Bree realized she knew something about the bomber. He or she had used the term IED, improvised explosive device, not bomb. IED was a U.S. military term. Was the bomber ex-military? Current military? Then again, Bree had seen and heard the term often enough on news and media reports. But why would a civilian use that term instead of bomb? Why be so specific? Her phone rang. Chief Michaels. Because of your unique location and perspective, we're giving you overall command of the situation, Chief, he said by way of greeting. 
K-9 bomb and tactical squads will operate at your call after advising you of the options. Bree didn't miss a beat. FBI in Capitol Hill? Waiting on your orders. Thank you for the confidence, sir. Prove it, he said, and hung up. For the next six minutes, as she monitored radio chatter, Bree roamed back and forth, looking east and west, seeing cruiser after cruiser turn sideways to block access to Constitution and Independence Avenues, where they ran parallel to the mall. At 7.49, 21 minutes after the bomber's phone call, mounted police appeared and cantered their horses the length of the mall, shouting to everyone to leave the quickest way possible. Other patrol cars cruised Independence, Constitution, and Madison, using their bullhorns to spur the evacuation. Despite Bree's hope for calm, the police horses and bullhorns were clearly seeding panic.